I'm Carson Horn, and it's Wednesday at 10, which means it's time for Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. So grab your toilet paper and let's get rolling. How many times have you gotten that present on Christmas that you just couldn't wait to open? You're shaking up the box. It sounds good. You know it's going to be a great gift. And then you open it, and it's just a, a pair of pants or some clothing item that that you don't really care too much about. Or, or how about that movie that you couldn't wait for it to come out, and you go and see it, and it wasn't as good as you imagined it would be. Sometimes the anticipation is better than the result. And I think Hugh Freeze hit on that a little bit last night in Atlanta when speaking to the media. We'll talk about that later on in the show, but I can tell you where anticipation was not better than the result. And that was this past year. Getting to do this show has been a privilege and honor. We'll talk about some of my favorite memories to close out the show in our final segment. We'll also talk about Auburn basketball and what has been a busy, busy week since we were last on air. We'll talk about that, but let's start out with Auburn baseball. Yes, Auburn baseball is getting the lead in the show this week because I was very uh, excited about this past weekend. Auburn got a huge and a much-needed series win over Mississippi State at home this past weekend. And I, and I have to admit this, I, I was debating whether I was going to share this information or not. So I was at Game 3 on Sunday. Auburn fell behind 7 to nothing. They got a few runs on the board, 7-3. I'm like, okay, you know, I know Mississippi State's pitching not great either. Maybe we'll make a little comeback. Mississippi State tacks on two more. It's 9-3, fifth inning. I've been out in the sun for two hours at that point. Sunscreen's going to start wearing off. I didn't bring it with me. I decide, yeah, I'm going to head on out. Auburn comes back and wins that game. They come back to win the series. And I'm very disappointed in myself. Someone who prides himself on being the ultimate loyal fan that will watch a game to the bitter end no matter the score or the outcome. The fact that I left that game, that's something that's going to haunt me for a while. I did watch it on uh, uh, SEC Network Plus back at my apartment, but I did not stay in the stands, and that is something that, that, that I regret. But with that being said, let's recap this series. Important to note, Auburn did drop their midweek game to Troy last night. I don't make too big of a deal about it, but do give a shout-out to Troy. Uh, one of my good friends goes to Troy, and he'll appreciate that shout-out if he listens to the to the show today. Uh, so they did lose to Troy last night. Had a big first inning, uh, but pitching yet again was a bit of an issue. But it was a rough midweek uh, game, or rough midweek last night for the SEC as a whole. LSU dropped a game to Nickel State. Texas A&M lost their midweek game. It, it is what it is. I don't put too much stock into your your midweek games here in the SEC. The weekend is what matters. So with that being said, Auburn won game one against Mississippi State 2-1. to one. That was an incredible game uh, on uh, last Friday night. Tommy Bell got the start yet again and had another great outing through five innings, gave up no runs, only three hits, had 10 strikeouts, a record for him. And it was kind of, it, it went against the grain, if you will, for how things typically go for Auburn and for Mississippi State. And that pitching been a weakness for both teams, but this was another game that bucked that trend. 
And uh, Cade Smith from Mississippi State, through six innings, only gave up one run. He had a fantastic outing as well. Uh, Cooper McMurray came up big with a home run uh, in this one uh, in the fifth inning, and that put Auburn up one to one. Mississippi State tied it, uh, put up Auburn one to nothing. Mississippi State tied it in the seventh to make it one to one. And then the eighth inning, this is where things got interesting. So Chris Stanfield gets on. And then Bobby Pierce comes up and tries to bunt him over. Well, he pops the bunt up to the catcher, but it's not your typical pop-up to the catcher. The catcher for Mississippi State makes a tremendous play. He dives into the backstop and catches the pop-up. Well, Chris Stanfield decides he's going to tag from first base. You heard that right. Tag from first base on a pop-up to the catcher. He does so. The throw is on the line. May have gotten him out if it was perfect. It hits Chris Stanfield goes in to the outfield. Chris Stanfield ends up get, uh, getting to third base, uh, and then the uh, excuse me, and then Bobby Pierce flies him in. I think it was maybe Cole Foster that had the pop up on the bunt, but Bobby Pierce uh, hits the fly out sack fly to drive in uh, Chris Stanfield, and that makes a winning run for Auburn in the eighth. They hold him off, hold Mississippi State off in the ninth inning. They win that game two to one. I've seen that before on a pop-up that is a really like tough play at first base or third base. I- I'm trying to remember if I've seen that with a catcher before that makes a really impressive uh, pop-up on-, on a catch. I'm sure it has happened. It was aggressive base running. Some might call it unwise base running. I, I don't think Auburn would call it that. It certainly was the reason they were able to win the game on, on Friday night against Mississippi State and get that first uh, win to open up the series. It was huge, and Chris Stanfield uh, also made uh, some really good plays in the outfield on, on Friday night. It, he was a huge factor in the reason Auburn won that game. He started all three games of the series, batted leadoff in, in all three games of the series. Again, he was someone who was not in the starting lineup for uh, the first half of the season and a lot of non-conference play. He was a very highly rated recruit, though. I've talked about him a lot. I'm very high on Chris. Uh, I think he's a really good player, and so I was glad that he had the weekend that he had. He had a rough game three, uh, but he had a really good uh, game one, and I would even argue game two. So Auburn wins that game. Game one, great. Get off to a great uh, start uh, in the series, in a very important series. You're battling for postseason. You're battling for the in the SEC West, and Auburn gets that win. Well, in Game 2, Christian Herbert Holtz has a great outing. He goes five innings uh, in that game, and he doesn't give up any runs. He uh, was, like I said, really good out. Excuse me, four innings, um, but he gives up, um, no, it was five. uh, Five innings, no earned runs, only three hits before he comes out, and then things went really poorly. Tanner Bauman came in. Really, uh, two walks, couldn't throw strikes. John Ar- John Armstrong comes in. He gets uh, he gives up a three run home run. Chase Isbell comes in. Things don't go any better for him. It was just a brutal, brutal stretch for those three guys that came in after Christian Herbert Holtz had really thrown well. But then Auburn would calm down a little bit. The bullpen would calm down, and Auburn would figure out how to scratch off a few runs. And the set in the seventh inning, they would get one. Uh, then they would come back and have a huge ninth inning. They were down 11-4 to in the ninth inning and got it all the way back to 11-10 to and had the tying run on third base when the final out was made by Mississippi State. 
So they battled. They battled hard in game two. It was frustrating because of the outing that Herbert Holtz had that the bullpen really came in and really struggled, although that was not anything new as we've talked about this whole season, just something this Auburn team has had to battle with. But you can't deny the fight this team has, the team, the fight this team has shown throughout this whole season. They are never out of a game. And they showed that in Game 2. They showed that in Game 3. In Game 2, they came up just short. But that makes a good segue into Game 3. They would not come up short in this one. They were down 7 to nothing, as I mentioned. Then they were down 9-3. to They mounted the late comeback. Bryson Ware and Cooper McMurray went off in this game. Cooper McMurray, get this, had a home run off the right field foul pole and had a home run off the left field foul pole. That I am not sure I've ever seen happened before. Very impressive uh, game from him to keep Auburn uh, alive uh, in this one throughout the game. And then you had a big hit, a big home run from Nate LaRue uh, that got a, a two-run home run that got Auburn within two. Uh, and then we get it to the eighth inning where Bryson Ware hits a three-run home run to give Auburn the lead 11-10. to Unfortunately, how baseball goes Bryson Ware made the error on what would have been the final out in the ninth inning at third base. But Cole Foster had his back. He came up uh, and uh, hit the walk-off for Auburn to win in the bottom of the ninth and get the series win over Mississippi State. As I mentioned, a crucial series for Auburn to come back after being down big in Game 2 and in Game 3 and nearly win both of those. This (laughs) this series is funny. It could have very easily been an Auburn sweep. It could have very easily been a Mississippi State sweep. Instead, it was a 2-1 to one, uh, series win for Auburn. These games could have gone a wide variety of different ways. I think if you're Mississippi State, you're kicking yourself thinking how close you were to sweeping Auburn, at the very least winning the series on the road. It was crucial because of that, and it's also crucial because Auburn faces a daunting schedule ahead. They play the two best teams in the SEC, in my opinion, in the next two weekend series. First, they go to South Carolina this weekend, who is ranked either the number two or number three team in the country, coming off a sweep, yes, a sweep against Florida, uh, who is also a very, very good team. Uh, South Carolina's 34-6, and 13-4 in the SEC. So Auburn's got to travel to South Carolina They've got to do their best to compete up there, to try to grab a win. I don't expect them to win the series, but they need to do their best to try to avoid the sweep up there in South Carolina. And then they get LSU at home. So great, get to return home, but you get to play arguably an even better team in LSU uh, in Auburn the, the following weekend. That's also going to be another tough series. As things stand right now, according to Division One Baseball, Com. Before last week weekend series against Mississippi State, Auburn was the last team out of the NCAA tournament. Mississippi State was one of the last teams in. So Auburn won that series. There hasn't been an update yet from Division I Baseball on where things stand. I would imagine that puts Auburn back into the tournament. I will also say, I said this back when Auburn won these series, that this would help them a lot. USC looks like a really good team. Indiana looks like a really good team. Auburn won both of those series. That's going to help them in, in their path of trying to get in to the NCAA tournament. So they're on the 
they don't have the term bubble for baseball, but that's where Auburn kind of sits at the moment as far as postseason play goes. As far as other updates to the team, Joseph Gonzalez, maybe he's getting back uh, closer to returning. He has, I think, thrown some bullpens now. Again, if he can come back and and be anywhere near his old self, uh, that will be huge boost for Auburn uh, in this rotation. If he can get back to starting, uh, that would be big. So we'll see. Fingers crossed and certainly hopeful if he could come back in either the South Carolina or LSU series. That would be great news for Auburn. We'll see about that. Zach Crotchfelt started Game 3. Things did not go well for him. He also seemed to have injured himself when he came out of the game on Sunday. I I don't know the word on him, but something to keep uh, an eye on as far as Auburn uh, baseball storylines go. But I am proud of this team, excited about the way that they battled this weekend. Again, it's the last time I'm going to get to talk, talk about this team uh, as far as this semester goes. So, uh, again, their season stretches into the summer, uh, into late May, and then into into June if they make it into regionals. So I, uh, I'm i confident, and I think this team will find a way in making it to a regional. Again, unlikely that they host, but they're just trying to get in at the moment. I think they will. And, again, the way they hit, anything's possible. Anything's possible if you can hit the way this team can and has shown the ability to do. So I'm looking forward to watching this team the rest of the season and seeing what they can accomplish here under Butch Thompson this this year. I think College World Series may be a little bit uh, out of reach, but you never know. Just get in. Just get in and see what happens. Well, that'll wrap us up for segment one here on Talking Tumors. When we return, we'll dive in to Auburn basketball. And as I mentioned, it was a busy week. So stay tuned to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. Here in our final show of the semester, we're talking Auburn basketball now. As I mentioned, very active week. A lot of Auburn basketball news, especially I believe it was last Friday. There was a ton of news rolling in. And we'll start with the negative and we'll move to the positive. The negative was Auburn lost the commitment of LeBaron Phylon in the class of 2024, the number one player in the state of Alabama by, I believe, every recruiting site out there. Very talented, uh, very talented guard, uh, can score at, at, at all levels. Uh, just, just a wonderful player. So I, it stinks to lose him. This is the second decommitment, as I mentioned last week, about Peyton Marshall. That one was more of a mutual parting of ways, if you will. Uh, there, Auburn didn't want to lose LeBaron Phylon. I, I'm not going to sugarcoat this one. This was a loss for Auburn. There's a variety of factors that, that went into losing him, one being Wes Flanagan moving on to Ole Miss. Wes Flanagan was his lead recruiter. Um so he had a really good relationship with him. He had a really good relationship with Bruce Pearl, too. Uh, but whenever lead recruiters change staff, whenever their staff shake up, that certainly uh, makes an impact. But you've also got the rosters change. And Auburn brought in Denver Jones, and that's for this season, not for next season. But there's a solid chance that Denver Jones could be back uh, for another season, depending on you know how this year goes. I don't know how he will translate to the NBA, so you've got that at the two position. Who knows what the future holds for KD Johnson. You've got Aiden Holloway, who may be a one-and-done, could be back for year two. 
You've got Trey Donaldson at the guard position, and you've got Tahad Pettiford, who is the lone commitment now in this class of 2024, who who is coming in as a guard as well, a five-star point guard. Uh, so there, there's a lot of factors that could be in play here for, for Phylon more than just Wes Flanagan. It could be a concern about playing time. I don't know. That's speculative. I don't have any info. That's just... Uh, me kind of just talking about the issue. There could be some other... His comments, though, he did talk about the changes with the roster and the staff as the reason for his decommitment. So I, I don't think that that it had anything to do with, besides those two things that I mentioned. Probably a conglomerate. I don't know if one thing was bigger than the other. I also don't think Auburn will stop recruiting him. Will they be able to get him back in, in, in their class that I don't know. But again, that was a big loss. He is a very good player. He is someone who I don't think should be concerned about playing time. I believe he's good enough to come in and compete and beat out possibly a guy like a Denver Jones or a KD Johnson or, you know, but it, it, it is a decision that he, he has made for now. So we'll see how this recruitment uh, ends up winding up. Despite that, I think Auburn's going to be fine in the class of 2024. Again, they're in it for uh, Floyd Badunga, one of the top players and big men in the class of 2024. They've got to hide Pettiford still, who who is a phenomenal, like I said, five-star point guard. Uh, so I, I think Auburn's going to be going to be okay in the uh, class of 2024. They decide to go even smaller on the high school and just depend on the portal again. Uh, I think Bruce Pearl is going to be comfortable doing that as well. And then Jalen Williams, he did uh, follow up. Janai Broom and did declare for the NBA draft as well while maintaining uh, college eligibility. Again, I expect Jalen Williams back. I expect him to come back and be the four this next season. For for Auburn, it, it does not hurt these players at all to declare, though, and see where their stock is at, what they can improve. Uh, they only can do it twice, though, and I think Jalen may have done it last year, but the thing is, again, Jalen's going into his last year of eligibility here at Auburn. Uh, he so it doesn't hurt him um, to do to do this again. He and Janai Broom continue to work out with the team, at least according to what it looks like on the Auburn social media, Auburn basketball social media page. So again, full expectation that both those guys will be back, and they are going to be very key for this Auburn basketball team this next season. And then sticking with the Williams last name, Corey Williams was hired as an assistant coach to replace the outgoing Wes Flanagan. He was uh, most recently an assistant at Texas Tech. He was also the interim head coach for Texas Tech this season when they dismissed their head coach. He has coached at Arkansas under Eric Musselman, uh, spent a lot of time at uh, Florida State under Leonard uh, Hamilton down there, was a player in the NBA, played at Oklahoma State in college. Get this, Corey Williams was drafted in both the NBA, and the NFL. Uh, He is known as a very good recruiter and coach. I think this is a great hire for Bruce Pearl. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of coaches out there that were very interested in this job on Bruce Pearl's staff, and I think that Bruce Pearl had his pick of a lot of talented coaches and recruiters. He chose Corey Williams. Uh, I think he'll be a great addition to the staff. And I want to say something about this Auburn basketball uh, coach, coaching staff is rare in, in any sport, in, in football and in basketball, whatever it is, to have the 
the stability that Bruce Pearl has had, has had in his staff for the last few years. This is the first major staff shakeup really since Chuck Person uh, issues all happened. Uh, Wes Flanagan's been here, have been here for a while. Ira Bowman's been here for a while. Mike Burgermaster's been here uh, for a while. Chad Pruitt. So the continuity, that's a really good thing. It's, it's huge in recruiting because, as I mentioned with LeBaron and Phylon, those, those relationships are very important for recruits. So I think it's admirable that Bruce Pearl has has had the stability that he's had with his coaching staff. So it was about time there was going to be some turnover. You you could also argue if you're a successful program, then you know coaches should be leaving constantly because they should be getting head coaching opportunities. I think Ira Bowman could uh, here in, in the new future. Todd Golden was a former Auburn assistant before he got a head coaching opportunity at University of San Francisco. So, so look, I, I think that what Bruce Pearl has done with his staff is a, a admirable thing, and I think it's something that should be acknowledged in the era that we're in in, in collegiate sports. So that's just a little, a little side note uh, there. But I'm excited about this addition of Corey Williams to the staff. And then Chaney Johnson, he committed to Auburn, and I had to pat myself on the back because I last Wednesday show – I mentioned that he was coming for a visit, and I said I wouldn't be surprised if if he committed uh, very shortly after that visit, and that's exactly what he did. Very important depth piece, I think. I do not expect him to to start over Jalen Williams, but he will be Jalen Williams a backup uh, at the four. Could also play the three if he's good enough. Could start at the three, maybe. I I don't think that'll be the case, but he he could play the three, could, uh, could be a backup there as well. So I think this is an important addition, and he's someone that when Jalen Williams does have to move on after this next season, Chaney Johnson could end up being your starting four in the 2024-2025 season, so not this upcoming season, but the season after. Again, it's so hard to look too too far into the future in this day and age of way the transfer portal and recruiting works. It's hard to to say, well, this guy's going to return, that, you know, this and look, this will look like this. You know, you barely know what your roster is going to look two weeks from now, much less two years from now. So it's hard to, to it's hard. You want to jump ahead and you want to look at look at those things and look at a potential roster in twenty twenty four season. But again, we were looking at it thinking about LeBaron Phylon, and now he's gone. So there there's no reason to talk about that too much. But I think Chaney Johnson's a big pickup for Auburn. With that being said, where do things stand with the three position? Again, we talked about this for the last couple of weeks. Um, Bruce Pearl, I mentioned him and Hugh Free spoke last night. Just, let's start out with Alan Flanagan. Bruce Pearl uh, mentioned that Alan Flanagan has not made a public announcement about declaring for the NBA draft, and so everyone's wondering, well, what is he doing? Well, he doesn't have to. As Bruce Pearl said, he's graduated, so he automatically, I, I believe, or I, mean, I still think you have to fill out paperwork, but you automatically kind of fit into this mold of the NBA draft, so there's nothing that he has to announce publicly. And really, no one has to announce anything publicly. You don't have to announce when you enter the transfer portal. You don't have to, to announce those things. It's just we're so accustomed to it in this day and age of social media and how things work. So Alan Flanagan has not posted anything on social media. Bruce Pearl said that he would uh, graduate. Uh, he's graduating here in uh, May, and then he would explore all options. I do not believe that he will be back at Auburn. I've said that. 
Uh, I think Auburn is recruiting others for the three position. They're not expecting him back, is my guess. Um, but that's kind of what uh, Bruce Pearl said on Alan Flanagan, so not too much to break down there. But I wanted to address him before I discuss other possible options at three position. We do know that as I'm speaking, Matthew Cleveland, the 6'7 transfer from Florida State, is on an unofficial visit, I believe it is, uh, to Auburn uh, at, at the moment. Will will he choose Auburn? I think Missouri and Miami are the other teams involved there that have gotten a visit from him. We'll see. Do, does uh, Auburn push for him? He's visiting, but I, I don't know. Are there other guys that Auburn likes better? Speaking of which, Jalen Tyson, a transfer from Texas Tech, is expected to visit also this week, maybe later in the week. I'm not sure of the uh, exact date on him. But he is, does Auburn like him over Matthew Cleveland? They're recruiting both of them. I don't think that they will take both of them. Uh, Bruce Pearl also said last night that they are expecting to take one, maybe two more guys. I think the one one more is for sure, meaning that they're going to get a, a starting three. There's no doubt about that. Two more guys, I would think that might mean as in a, a backup five. You know, they missed on, um, I forget his name now, um, Middlebrooks. They ended up going to NC State. So if they can get a guy like that to be a backup five, kind of to fill in, stretch Akimbola's role, then they will. I don't expect to see them take, or even if they wanted to, to be able to take both Matthew Cleveland and uh, Jalen Tyson. But there's also that other caveat out there. What if it's neither of those two guys? There, there could be a situation where there's another name that we haven't heard of that they, that they want at the three, and that maybe has not entered the portal yet or maybe is in the NBA draft that may fall out. Th- th- there's that other caveat. So that's why I'm not sure how this situation is going to unfold. I do believe Auburn will get one of Jalen Tyson, Matthew Cleveland, or C, unknown. I, I think whoever they get is going to be a really good player and will be a really big contributor on next year's team. They know that they have to get this position right. This is a very important spot for Auburn. It, a really good three can change you from a good team to a great team. It can change you to a team outside looking in to competing for SEC next year to being in the thick of it. I like what Auburn's done to one. I like what they've done at two with Denver Jones. We know what we're getting back in the front court with Jalen Williams and Janai Broom should be one of the best, if not the best, front courts in the SEC next season. But what are you going to have at the three? The three position I thought was solid this year with Alan Flanagan, him getting back to his healthy and normal self. But what if you can make an improvement there? You know you're making, well, you think you're making an improvement at the two. The one is a little bit of an, a question mark. Are you making an improvement there? We'll see. The three, will Auburn make an improvement there? Will they be, if they can, if they can get better at the three and get better at the two, you know what you've got coming back at the four and five. This team's going to be, could be a force to be reckoning with. I'm very intrigued. I hate that I'm not going to be able to see this through to talk about it whenever this roster is finalized. Uh, but the season's a long way away, and so we will have plenty of time in, in August and September and October and November 
to discuss this roster before the basketball season officially starts. We just won't get to talk about it in the middle of the summer. Uh, but again, the roster is close to getting finalized. Probably won't be, though, uh, until a few more weeks. But something could happen quickly, and it could be. So we'll, we'll keep an eye out on that. But with that, we'll go to our second break, and when we come back, we'll dive into football. So stay tuned to Talking Tumors on Weagle. Welcome back to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. There's still no quarterback, and we are now counting down the days to Sunday when the portal closes. Again, it's important to note that that doesn't mean a quarterback has to be on a roster at that point. It just means that's their last day to enter. And there's another caveat. Graduate transfers can still graduate and transfer at any point. So there is still a chance, even after this portal window, that Auburn were to grab a graduate transfer quarterback at some point. They enter a portal after they graduate in May, if they graduate in the summer. There's still that chance. I don't know if it's ideal. I, I, I don't, I, for the staff, I would think not. Uh, but I think we're past ideal scenarios at this point, if, if we're being quite honest. But I want to talk about a name that entered yesterday. And there, there's a, a lot of smoke out there for a certain team. But that, and that is Tyler Buckner, a transfer quarterback from Notre Dame. His name has, has caused a lot of drama on message boards yesterday. He was Sam Hartman transferred to Notre Dame. And so it's expected that Sam Hartman would be the quarterback. And that looks like that's going to be the case now. But Tyler Buckner was the starter last year for Notre Dame. He ended up getting hurt uh, in the Marshall game that they lost, and then he ended up becoming uh, ended up starting their bowl game against South Carolina. That was an absolute shootout. And now he battled Sam Hartman in the spring, and now he's in the transfer portal. The rumor and then the 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 trail that everyone's following is that he's going to go to Alabama, which has put Alabama fans in an absolute frenzy. Uh, they don't want him. Uh, they they rather you know go with what they've got with Milrow and Ty Simpson, and and I would agree with them on that. Uh, but this is an Alabama show, so we're not going to dive into that. But Tyler Buckner, the reason there's that connection is because Tommy Reese, former Notre Dame offense coordinator, is at Alabama now. So I just need to fill you in on that to get to. I think Auburn may have a shot here if they decide that they want to pursue. The interesting thing about Tyler Buckner is he has the do not contact tag on him in the transfer portal. Well, what does that mean? Well, it typically means they know where they want to go or they have the idea of places they want to go. Because, well, why wouldn't you want to be contacted? If you're in the transfer portal, you got to know who's, who's going to be interested in you. That's, that's what makes zero sense why this is even an option because it just makes tampering so obvious that a guy can enter the transfer portal with the do not contact tag. Um, it means that they've been in contact with someone because they know where, where they want to go or where they can go. And he is visiting Alabama as we speak. But I just I don't see Bama being the best fit for him because of the two guys I mentioned in Ty Simpson and Jalen Milrow. Maybe maybe Alabama thinks differently than someone who's on the outside looking into that program. But I think Auburn would be a lot better fit for Tyler Buckner. 
So let me just read this quote, and then I'll give some more thoughts on Buckner as a player. This was a quote uh, on On3.com. You can go read the article by Matt Zenitz. Uh, he talked to an anonymous coach uh, about Tyler Buckner, and this is what uh, this uh, coach said. What Hugh Freeze wants to do at Auburn makes sense to me with Buckner, the coach said. I think he'd be able to excel doing all the RPOs and everything like that Hugh Freeze does. I think that fits him. But when you ask him to sit there in the pocket and make decisions based off of coverages, and the coverage gives him one read pre-snap and then another post-snap, he sometimes struggle, struggles reading that, and then he makes some of those poor decisions. I agree. I think Tyler Buckner would be a good fit for Auburn. But then there's the second part of that quote that talks about him in the pocket and some of the decisions that he's made, and he has had some interception issues. I tend to believe, though, there's a lot of potential there, and I tend to believe that he's better than what Auburn has in the quarterback room currently. I think his ceiling is higher. I think his skill set is also more refined than what is in the quarterback room currently for Auburn. He's not perfect. As I said, he's had interception issues. He's got some decision-making issues. Uh, but I think he's got a solid arm. He is very athletic. He can. He absolutely can run, can run well. He doesn't have the, quite the level of speed that Robbie Ashford has, but he is very athletic, and running is a strength. And that's why the RPO offense would fit him well. But again, I think it comes back to, is he... Does he elevate your quarterback room? Would he elevate your quarterback room? I think he would. Does he take it to the highest level or the level that we as Auburn fans may think is the ideal level of what we want the quarterback room to be at? Probably not. But my thing is, he elevates your room, and he seems like the best guy out there if you want to add a transfer quarterback. Now, with that being said, Hugh Freeze is could know of someone who's going to enter that I have no clue about, and that's who they're going to get. He may feel confident in just waiting, and he may not agree with my assessment. Tyler Butner, he knows a lot more football than I do, uh, so he, he may not agree. He may not think that he elevates the room or he's going to be a better option than, say, Robbie Ashford. So we'll see. It'll be very interesting to pursue, or it may just be he's going to Alabama. No one else has the opportunity to even uh, recruit him. These are all questions that we don't have the answer to at this time. But if he leaves that Alabama visit today and he doesn't commit fairly quickly to Alabama after that, then I'd say it's, he's fair game. Now, again, whether Auburn has interest in him or not, that I don't know. This is just my personal opinion on Tyler Butner. Again, I tend to believe he is better than people give him credit for. People watch the Marshall game probably one of his worst games that he'll ever play, and they come to a, a, a snap decision on him. I don't think that's fair personally. Uh, I think he has a chance to be a really good quarterback. He was pushing. From everything I've read, he was pushing Sam Hartman for that job this spring. Sam Hartman was always going to be the guy, but he, he, he was making the job tougher on Hartman than maybe some at Notre Dame even expected based on what uh, I've read. But with that being said, there have been some portal moves. Powell Gordon is the only uh, exit since last Wednesday. Was a three-star linebacker that came in uh, from Auburn High. Someone who wasn't probably going to play this year, but someone that continued to, to, to develop. And still, this is the edge room, which is where I believe he's playing now. That is very thin, that jack linebacker, outside linebacker position. So any depth that you're losing there at all is not necessarily a good thing. 
for Auburn. He he said he's open to the possibility of returning, so we'll see what happens there uh, with him. And then as far as recruits, we know Jaden Muskrat, the uh, 6'3 inside offensive lineman from Tulsa, has visited Auburn. Got a point to the connection there of Philip Montgomery, his former head coach, now the offensive coordinator. We'll see what happens uh, here with, with Muskrat if he does come in, add some depth to this offensive line, the ability to compete at one of the uh, offensive guard positions. Uh, so we'll see, but he has visited and gone on. No commitment anywhere from him yet. I don't know where else that he might visit, but someone to keep an eye on. Then you've got former five-star TCU wide receiver Jordan Hudson is expected to visit this weekend. The rumor on him is that he's SMU bound. And you think, well, that's odd. Why would he go to SMU? Well, SMU actually has a really good transfer portal class. They have the highest of all the group of five schools and higher than a lot of power five schools. Rhett Lashley, former Auburn offensive coordinator, is the head coach there, seems to be doing really well uh, recruiting. And so also TCU and and SMU very close to each other uh, there in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So there's also that connection. But if Auburn can get him on a visit, maybe they can change his mind. We'll see what happens if he does, in fact, visit this weekend. He played in all 14 games last season, uh, but only had 174 yards uh, on 14 receptions. But again, very talented. He was a five-star receiver recruited by all the, the top schools out of high school, someone with a lot of potential and could elevate the Auburn wide receiver room. Then Cincinnati transfer... Jaheim Thomas, uh, transfer edge, uh, did visit Auburn, has 70 tackles last season, uh, six and a half tackles for loss, and two sacks. He is also visiting Wisconsin. His former head coach is now the head coach at Wisconsin, so I'm not getting my hopes up that Auburn will land him with the connection that he'll have there with Luke Fickle. But he did visit. That's of note there uh, for, for Auburn. The Auburn also just offered another uh, edge, a transfer edge, uh, all Sunbelt Conference player uh, from James Madison. He is a seventh-year player. There's going to be a pl- plenty, plenty uh, of teams that are going to be after him. We'll see what happens on whether or not Auburn gets a visit and could possibly land him. And the reason I made the anticipation comment earlier is because of what Hugh Freeze said last night, which is, I think, pretty obvious to everyone. It's been a lot slower in the portal this in the spring uh, cycle than many expected, including Hugh Freeze himself. And uh, so that's why I said the anticipation is sometimes better than the result. But again, it, it did kind of pick up here in these last few days. It could really pick up here uh, leading up to Sunday. Uh, we'll see what happens. I'm very intrigued to see how this roster starts to finalize again. You can still add a graduate transfer after this portal cycle closes. But this is the last big uh, portal entries that you will see before the season uh, gets going and before fall camp really gets uh, going here. So with that, we'll see what things look like in August. Uh, again, there could be major shakeup. There could be very little shakeup in what the roster is right now and what it is in the spring. When, when I'm back on air in August, uh, we'll know a lot more about the quarterback situation. We'll know more about the uh, Jack Linebacker situation. Uh, we'll know more about the receiver if Auburn's able to land a, a top-notch receiver uh, in the portal. So those are some of the, the questions that 
we'll just have to wait uh, and see uh, come August. But we'll have plenty of uh, a season preview to come, plenty of time to talk depth chart and talk roster uh, before the season starts for Auburn football in the fall. So no reason to uh, jump ahead uh, on that one. But with that, we will go to our final commercial break. And when we return, I'll talk about some of my favorite memories uh, from this past year and what I'm looking forward to uh, in this upcoming year. So stay tuned. You won't want to miss this last segment of Talking Tumors. I loved playing high school sports. I loved the. Welcome back to our final segment of Talking Tumors of the semester on Weagle 91.1. It's not a secret that this year was not the best athletic year in, in Auburn history. In fact, it's, it was probably one of the, uh, I wouldn't say the worst necessarily, but but one of the lesser years in Auburn athletic history. And there's been a lot of turnover. We, we got a new athletic director, a new head football coach. Um, so there have been changes, and those things happened during this current athletic year. So... When those, t- when those type of turnovers are happening, that usually means things aren't going well. With that being said, though, I'm very excited about the future of uh, Auburn Athletics. I, I really like John Cohen. I think he's going to do great things for Auburn here. I love Dr. Roberts. I think he made a fantastic hire uh, with John Cohen. Looking forward to uh, Hugh Freeze and... Um, what he's going to do here at, at Auburn as well as far as the football program goes. And, of course, Auburn basketball, we, we talk about it being a down year for them. A down year was uh, 21 wins, I believe, for Bruce Pearl winning a game in the NCAA tournament. If that's a down year, I will take it every day of the week. So, uh, I, But I'm excited about the future of Auburn basketball as well. Auburn baseball coming off a College World Series appearance last season. We don't know what the, what the future holds for the rest of this season for uh, the baseball team, uh, but Auburn softball, uh, I didn't mention this earlier, I meant to, got the big series win over Alabama in Tuscaloosa. That was huge for this Auburn softball team, uh, and they've got big-time aspirations for the postseason uh, there, so things could still, could still finish on a high note for Auburn athletics uh, this in this athletic year. But with all that being said, and and I'm very excited about the future and think that better days are ahead, there were some really good uh, memories that I had this season uh, covering uh, Auburn uh, football and Auburn basketball most specifically. So I'll go back to the Texas A&M game. Uh, that, is, that was the first home game that interim head coach Cadillac Williams coached in, and uh, it was a great environment. I was not in the student section for it. It was a freezing cold night. Uh, I was not in the student section. I was covering the game uh, from the media box. But a couple things that really stood out to me about that night. Again, the energy around Auburn football was unmatched, especially the way the season had been. The amount of alumni, former players that were there to support Cadillac was incredible. But I got the opportunity to do something that, I mean, would just have been a dream of mine uh, my whole, whole entire lifetime. Never thought I would play on the grass of Jordan-Hare Stadium, but the fact that I just got to stand on it, that I got to walk around on it pregame because of my media pass and covering the game was an absolute dream come true, uh, something that I I never would have imagined being being possible. 
Uh, and uh, so I, that is a memory that I won't forget. Again, it was f- absolutely freezing cold, so I didn't stay down there a- as long as I, I probably should have, but I did get to walk around there for a few minutes on the field and just take in the scene of Jordan-Hare Stadium as the stadium was filling in, as the players were going through warm-ups, uh, it, seeing recruits down there. It, that was an awesome memory, and again, something I, I won't forget. But then also afterward is another image that is forever ingrained in my head, and that's the post-game interview with Cadillac Williams after Auburn won that game against Texas A&M, the emotions that Cadillac had in that post-game interview, and then watching some of the players, specifically Tank Bixby, come in there and just take in the scene, coming in from the locker room to watch uh, Cadillac Williams' press conference. When does a player ever come into the room to watch their coach talk to the media? It doesn't happen, but it happened that night. And that was quite a scene uh, because of the to see the love and the admiration and the joy that those players had for Cadillac, the joy and the admiration, appreciation that he had for them. Good truly can come from bad, and there was a lot of bad from the Brian Harson tenure and the season, but a lot of good came from it too. And uh, that that is that night as a whole, just an amazing night, and I was privileged to be able to cover that game and to get to take in uh, those events. As far as basketball went, my favorite uh, night in the student section was the Arkansas game early on in the season. That was a close game, came down to the wire, uh, was very exciting, very loud uh, in the student section that night. My favorite uh, overall, though, was probably probably the Tennessee game, uh, Tennessee basketball game. Getting to, I covered that one. That was in the stretch, you know, where it got brutal. And this Auburn basketball team was just struggling to find a way to close the game out and to win it. And they finally did. And to be able to listen to Neville Arena just erupt. Uh, it was senior senior day. Uh, it was loud. And to finally get to write a positive story, I had covered multiple losses, including the Alabama loss at home. So that was that was good. And I was happy that I got to write a, a positive story uh, on Auburn basketball. And so that was my favorite basketball memory uh, from this season. Very much looking forward uh, to the future, as I said, and what's to come. So thankful I get to do this show. So thankful um, that you all have, have listened and supported this show uh, this year. And I hope that you'll continue to do so uh, moving forward. Uh, a few just notes. I, I'm not going to be silent. I will continue to share thoughts on Auburn sports. I just won't have this outlet to do it for the next couple of months until we return to classes in August. But make sure you're following me on Instagram. I will be bound to post some video thoughts there, especially if there are major news that happens at any point, like a quarterback, for instance. I will make sure to post some video thoughts there on Instagram. Also, make sure to follow me on Twitter, where I'll have more sporadic thoughts and uh, shorter uh, spurts. Uh, so there are still going to be ways to to get thoughts from from me on Auburn sports and Auburn athletics uh, as we uh, move forward this summer. But again, thank you all, whether you're listening live or listening on podcasts, uh, for your support throughout since August, since we started this show, and hope to continue to grow it. And I hope that it it, it will continue uh, to improve, and I will continue to improve on the way that the way that I do the show. Always open to to new ideas and suggestions. But again, thank you all, and for the final time, here is the Talking Tumors outro.
Thank you for listening to Talking Tumors. Make sure to tune in again next Wednesday at 10 for another edition. Also, make sure to check out Weagle's 24-hour live stream on WeagleFM.com and follow us on social media at Weagle underscore AU. War Eagle and see you next time.